Shin. Hello, Ken. How nice to see you again. How have you been? I've been better. Where's Julia? She's not here right now. Would you like to leave a message? Very funny. Afraid I'm not in the mood for your twisted sense of humor. Now, where is she? I thought you'd ask that question. I wish I knew, Ken. Honestly, I do. Answer me, goddammit. But then we wouldn't fight. And we're destined to do that! segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is Neo. Uh, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ, and we're going to be ha- having a little different segment here that we've had in the past. Um, we've had we've done some interviews before with a lot of people that we met at different cons, uh, MegaCon, uh, DragonCon, and Comic-Con, and also YusumiCon down in Miami. But I know it's been kind of known before. I, I, I'm kind of an avid uh, comic book reader. I'm not as avid as I'd like to be. seems like life gets in the way a lot of times, so I'd rather just sit there and uh, read comics all day, but you got to work too. But a few weeks ago, I was in one of my local comic book shops, and I met up with some guys. Uh, they were there for a signing of um, their new uh, comic book, and it's called uh, Bad Kids Go to Hell. And I'm joined right now with um, Matt Spradlin, and uh, Basil Wernick, some of the creators of uh, Bad Kids. How, how are you guys doing tonight? Good. How are you doing, Neil? No problem. And it's kind of an interesting book. And uh, the, uh, we had kind of a good conversation, I'd say, for what, probably about 20, 30 minutes there at the thing? Yeah, it was. It was a good conversation. That was, a, uh, that was a, also a good signing, too. Uh, we are two of the Coliseum of Comics locations. One in yeah. the South Orange Blossom Trail in Orlando, and the other one at Fashion Square Mall, where we met you. Yeah, and uh, Coliseum of Comics are actually pretty well known in the Central Florida area here. We've done things before for Megacon, which is one of the large uh, spring conventions here in uh, Orlando, Florida. And they're usually a one of the major sponsors of Megacon. First, before we get into Bad Kids, I just want to ask you guys a little bit, maybe some background about yourselves, how you got into, you know, maybe meeting each other. Because I know during our conversation, it, it was porn <laughs> online. <laughs> He's a little bit older, and they couldn't give him enough. Uh, but I lured him into my chat other. room. <laughs> hey, hey, porn's a unifying thing for a lot of people, so. Do you want to go, Baz, Baz, you go first. No, really. I mean, you know, he couldn't keep it up, keep up, well, you know what I mean, <laughs> keep up with the fans of the industry, so they had to bring a younger, more youthful and virile right. guy into the situation, so that's, right. uh, that's how it all worked. <laughs> and uh, I guess our paths crossed. <laughs> I guess there's a there's an age difference then? Yeah, he's about a year older than I am. Yeah, oh, wow. the old man. But, a year older. Uh, <laughs> 365. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we uh, were actually originally both from Texas, from Dallas, and both grew up in similar circles. I went to sort of the uh, Highland Park, Preston Hollow area of Dallas, which is pretty preppy, you know, a lot of yeah. private schoolers. I went to the 
Well, Matthew went to probably one of the richest public schools in, in the country. I mean, the wealthiest kids go there. It's snotty, snooty. I went to the <laughs> private school that he couldn't get into. <laughs> I, uh, I was not a snot, though. I guess I was a, as much of a snot as any high schooler is, but I was not in the upper tiers of the affluent at my school. <laughs> And I was actually a scholarship kid at my private school, so not really your typical guys that would go to these schools. We just happened to be living in a good area, yeah. and I happened to be able to know how to take a test well. I don't know. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> but we never met each other, even though we're about the same age and have a lot of the same friends, uh, acquaintances, and you know, hung around pretty much the same, same circles. Group, yeah. But it wasn't until after college, and we were both in L.A., that... I went out there, moved to L.A., and Matthew had been out there for a while. And the uh, first guy that I had run into over there happened to be really good friends with Matthew and I think did some zombie work for Matthew. I was, do I was doing a, I was doing a lot of uh, effects work and compositing. Okay. Just real quick, after our high school, after going to Highland Park, I ended up I going to a school called Chapman University in Orange County. Okay. And did film, you know, took film production and all that. And then somehow I sort of made, in a weird way, I made my way into animation and effects and computer effects. So I was out in L.A. and I made this really kind of silly short film that did a lot better than I ever thought it could do. Wow. And it, I did a lot of effects work in it. And then because of that film, it helped get me out to L.A. That film and a script and a feature script that I wrote. Oh, okay. So, and this feature script found its way into a production company that was Kurt Russell's production company oh, at the wow. time. And a producer that was there took the script on, took me on. And while I started writing nonstop all the time, I was getting a lot of work doing effects work and compositing and animation. So... I was out been out there doing that, and that's why I'm at Baz. Is there anything animation-wise that maybe you were a part of that we might, you know, know of? Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Um, everybody, every animator in the freaking country was working on Beowulf. Okay, that's probably the one that most of the people you know will will know. There was uh, there were feature films and stuff like that, but Beowulf was the one that every animator worked on. <laughs> That was the, the movie that came out, what, about two years ago, right? Yeah, it was the Bob Smekis one. Yeah, okay. Wow. So That was the last actual animation that I had done. Oh, okay. You were doing some of that? He gave himself credit. He won an award, the L.A., uh, what is it, a film, uh, the that, audience award? The short, the short film that I did was a comedy short. It was really silly, but it won some film festivals, and it won the, the L.A. Underground Film Festival for comedy short so i take it you're a very modest person then <laughs> yes the name what, what's the name of it well the name yeah, of, what's the name the name of the film again it was very silly it was, it's okay it was called thunder pussies it was basically the redneck version of charlie's angels <laughs> oh my god i i know what the, i know i think i've seen that i didn't know what the name of it was though what's funny is the guy that introduced us our mutual yeah. friend i couldn't be there for the award show which they had in la they had it at the uh Anybody, the, the Hyatt on Sunset, which is the famous Riot Hyatt. Right. I had to leave L.A. to come back to Dallas to work. I had cut a feature film. So I was editing that, and that film was having its premiere on the night of the awards, and I had to be here for that. So I couldn't be in L.A. So this mutual friend that introduced Baz and I, he accepted the award <laughs> from, at the film festival for me. And you have to understand, the presenter was a filmmaker named Arthur Hiller. Okay. Basically, he's the guy who directed some movies, a lot of movies in the 70s, like 
Silver Streak, uh, a really accomplished writer, right. director, producer. And my friend accepted the award dressed in a uh, disco outfit, <laughs> in his uh, John Travolta disco outfit. So yeah, this is the and that's the guy that introduced Baz and I to one oh, another. Okay, so that takes us what to about maybe a year or two or so ago, or yeah, three years ago. Three years, three okay. years ago. So four years, four years ago. Four years ago. Yeah, it's been that long. Wow. So you've definitely had some experience in, you know, kind of the movie making industry then, you know, a lot of the background stuff. And uh, is that something that you always wanted to do? I, I mean, was that what you intended yeah. to do? Yeah, Ch Ch uh, Chapman is pretty much known primarily as a film school, especially yeah, I've heard, now. I've heard of it. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. heard of it before. And, and um, no, I was just wondering because I know sometimes people, um, I actually know some people that are out there right now in, in uh, Los Angeles trying to do some things and um, they're on the television side and, you know, it's not where they want to be because they're doing a lot of the back production stuff. But I was just wondering if that's something that you were always kind of expiring to do was more of the, you know, the actual hands-on stuff. Yeah, I knew I, knew I was going to work in the, in the film business. I just didn't know exactly how. We're both, I mean, pretty new besides reading comic books, which Matthew has a much greater experience <laughs> of doing, but um, a big part of, we both have really went into or have been interested in film and TV, but primarily film yeah. for forever. I mean, he went to Chapman. I went to University of Texas where I didn't play football, but uh, <laughs> is, I uh, wish I did. No, but yeah, but that's what that's known for, Texas, but... Well, that's known for a lot of other things. For yeah. a lot of actors, you know, and actresses, Renee Zellweger and uh, mm -hmm. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, so, so we, I, I kind of came from the acting back. The acting sort side. Of, that was my background, acting and movies and television commercials. And when you sit on a set forever, sitting there in a movie, that can be the most boring time. You're sitting there reading a script, and you're saying to yourself, man, I could do better than that. And so, basically, it's... So what I started doing was writing while I was on the set, reading other people's crap, and trying to fix it. And I guess Matthew was working to, behind the cameras and doing the same thing. So we both kind of were working in the industry in different areas, but... Fixing people's mistakes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we both, you know, I have a... Uh, Matthew has a TV show coming out on oh, sci-fi yeah. called yeah. True Believer that Rosario Dawson is exec producing. Oh, yeah. I remember you guys telling, us, telling me about that. And then I've got a, t a movie that uh, Road Star directed in that Shoots should be in festival, festivals the end of this year called Shoots and Ladders. Oh, okay. Do you know if that'll be um, uh, maybe hitting the Florida Film Festival? I know that's a pretty big uh, festival that we have here in Orlando. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, it's just a matter of, I think it should be really completed within the next few weeks. It's it's, oh, okay. it's it's just going through color correction now, and it's done, and I know I've gotten a lot of film festivals sending me emails saying, are you done? Can you send it in? Can you, you know, when it's yeah. your movie and everything, you're sort of like, you know, you want to make sure it's complete before you actually get it out there. So, oh. and you know, we actually had an idea for a movie and how bad kids go to hell actually came together as we were working on the idea for a movie. Originally, we were actually looking for a, a movie in which uh, we could find subjects that you wanted to see die. You know, you actually rooted <laughs> on, you couldn't wait to see them die. 
and Nazis. Ah, it's been played many times. Yeah. Terror, terrorists. I live it. So then, you know, we've been living that for the last few years. So we tried to figure out what, what's a good subject matter that people would root on. Yeah. But we also wanted it to be funny. You know, that comedy. Is, that is part of the facade. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're like, okay, well, it would be kind of funny. And we're actually, we had seen a movie in Beverly Hills. At this point, we actually were living together. And we'd go see movies and make fun of the movies we were watching. And some of them we liked. And we're walking out in Beverly Hills. And Matthew, you can say yeah, this we, is how we, we found our subject. Well, we ran into a group of, uh, of high schoolers that were Beverly Hills high schoolers. Oh, okay. And it was funny just listening to them talk. That's what led into the whole, doing the whole comic. Because it was like, it was freaking us out, their, their conversation. And the tone of the tone of their conversation too. It was like listening to a bunch of forty-year-old divorcees after rehab. Oh wow! I don't know if you ever read like a Brad Easton Ellis book, like Less Than Zero. Yes. These kid, these kids were living it. I actually went to a large private school in South Florida myself. And oh okay. I, yeah, I've been I've been in public Catholic schools since uh, first grade so yeah you were at the that's the apex (laughs) I definitely understand and you know going through um, you know when I was going through bad kids I I definitely saw a lot of stereotypes and a lot of situations that brought back a lot of memories so uh, it's funny it's funny anybody it's so weird it's like this thing where people that go to high school do you it's like there are those stereotypes at everyone's high school. No matter yeah. where they are, there are those people that fit those molds. It's so, you know, it's so universally. Yeah, it's it's a it's a universal theme because I remember we would have, you know, meetings with the the teachers and the administrators with our parents before the, before the first of the year and they'd be like, "One of the advantages of having uniforms is that nobody knows who's richer than else." It's like <laughs> my school, okay, everybody had uh, you know, was looking the same in the same clothes, but they would do things with like watches and the girls used to have purse wars it was like who could have a bigger coach bag and stuff like that you know and, and that's how the clicks got around and, and it was the same thing we had even though people paid to go there you still had the jocks you still had the pre- the real preps you had uh the stoners the metal heads the skaters you know and then the, the uh, computer guys and all the other subgenres. so I, I i definitely see that and i understand a lot of people that don't go to private school just assume everyone is exactly the same when you know you yeah. have same, you know, you have all the different niches and clicks and whatever. So, and it's a way to put some girls in some cute little private school uniforms in your uh, in your comic book. <laughs> hey, I, I still love that look. Being a high school kid with that and plaid skirts and uh, you know the blouses and yeah, it's uh, I still enjoy that look now. <laughs> it never goes out of style. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter what color it is or um, you know. What time period? Eighties, nineties, the two thousands. It doesn't matter. But all right. What was we'll... interesting in the comic book was was being able to, you know, when we found our artist Tony Vargas, being able to actually, you know, different. Usually, I'm sure an artist wants to have all those different stereotypes and be able to give them different clothes and different, yeah. you know, their things. But having to use the same uniform, but create just from the way they wear the uniform and yeah, oh yeah, a whole different look. With the same exact outfit, you know, that was something that was kind of cool that, and that I, I was able to do. And I got to say, when I was going through the book, I, I noticed you would have the slutty girls that, you know, they'd hike up their skirts, you know, they'd, they'd unbutton a couple buttons on the blouse. And you could see that. And a lot of what he put in there, and I'm sure it's from your guys, um, you know, a lot of your feedback is portrayed in there. You could tell who was what. 
Yeah, I think a nice little anecdote about what happened was that we got the initial, you know, we're looking at the characters and how Tony had read it and how he visualized what we had written. And we get back one and, and Matthew says to him, you know, that that's really good. Make her boobs bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, really? Oh, okay, cool. He turned to me and said, genius. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> Well, I, uh, since we've kind of gone into the book Bad Kids Go to Hell, what would be a good way of uh, summarizing it? What was the way that you guys had, you positioned it to me? It was like The Breakfast Club if they met like a slasher film or something? Yeah, the bre- it's, it's, the horror, it's, it's, really, it's the horror version of, of Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club and Heather's, Heather's basically being turned on, on their heads. Yeah, sort yeah. of like The Breakfast Club, you know, begins where you might identify with one of the kids. Mm-hmm. probably do but you hate all the others by the exactly. end though there's some redeeming quality and everyone you know what in their own way and his own or her own way you, you grow to like the guy or the girl and it's like you know what we're different wonderful all happy you know wonderful. but we still got to go back to school on monday so <laughs> <laughs> ours was more like right ours is more like you're gonna you might identify with one of them which you probably would even though you hate all of them even the one that maybe you identify with but you're gonna just Grow to hate them more and more until they die, because <laughs> they are just that bad. They're right. complete assholes, <laughs> and, and you just do not like them. Yeah, and, and you know that that's a that's kind of a great way of writing characters, because a lot of times you have it where, and it doesn't matter what type of media it is, you have people write characters and you have them where you'll have a character that you hate. You just absolutely hate at the beginning of you know a movie, a book, whatever it might be. But by the end, you kind of understand or maybe your whole impression of them flips at the end and you're like, you know what, That's that was the coolest guy. You know, He completely sucked at the beginning, but it's nice to have it where basically you're having it where these kids suck at the beginning and they suck as they're getting killed. Yeah. Right, you just can't wait for them to die. <laughs> and what's wonderful is, you know, the comic book, the story, it, it, it delivers because I don't need to, I guess it's not really a spoiler. I mean, they die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one by one. Now there is, there's a twist. There's the there's twist. A twist but right. I mean, don't need to go into the twist. No, right. Don't go into the twist. Especially since the fourth issue comes out tomorrow. All right. September thirtieth. Plug, plug, plug. Um, right. <laughs> Not that we need to. The first three issues sold out. Each each sold out in its first week in stores. So we were very lucky because we were yes. previews magazine staff pick, which propelled the first issue to get. Yeah, that was that was the sold. that was the big boost right there. And then um, I guess people liked the first issue, so they ordered the second one. Yeah. <laughs> so right. then the second one sold out. Then the third one they wanted the second, so they wanted the third. And it's it's a four issue miniseries, which is basically the movie that we wrote, yeah, in, in storyboard form, in, in four, four acts or three acts. Was it unexpected? I mean, did you did you kind of think that you would have such a great response to it? Because I mean, because it is it is probably a little different take of what you would normally think of like a high school type of drama. We were pretty sure we'd get some response, like something, but no, we didn't expect it to be. No, there was no expectation that it would do as well as it did. At the beginning, when you put it out, you're probably thinking it was probably more of a niche title, maybe for more of a, a you know sure. more horror genre fan or whatever. Yeah. But 
as you've gone, I know you guys have traveled the country promoting the book and uh, different conventions and stuff. What is the cross section of uh, of the fans of the book? Is it is it a lot more broad than what you would have ever imagined? Yes, totally. And I'll tell you what was a good telltale sign of that of all that was um, was Comic Con in San Diego because you meet so many people in such a short span of time. Yeah, I was unable to go this year. I've been the last couple of years, but um, I had to go to. I had to go to Southern California a few weeks later, but not that area. That, well, but you still know, like I how, understand. Yeah. yeah, the ridiculous. I mean, there was. I think there was close to two hundred thousand people this year. Think about it. We've got the high school kids that mm-hmm. love it just for the name, or they see that they're bad words, right? But right. at the same time, you have high school kids that love it because it's high school. It's them, and it's not like we're writing about the '80s or the '90s. It takes place today. So that's number one. Then you've got kids that can still relate to high school. You've got people that have seen The Breakfast Club. So now you're talking about people that are 40, you know, that are maybe 50. And they're they're looking at it. And what Previews Magazine, they called it uh, Breakfast Club Meets the Grudge. I mean, we we really didn't even know anything about The Grudge. We were more along the lines of... Just 80s movies, 80s horror films. 80s, those types of movies, but where you're rooting on someone to die or you know everyone's dying. So basically getting to your to your question is yeah, it was a it's a it's a much it's a pretty broad cross section. The people that we've met have been all ages. And with Comic Con it wasn't just all ages, it was all all shapes and sizes. All shapes, sizes and uh yeah. and like countries. We've got and, we've gotten a lot of fan you know, we've gotten some fan mail from people in Greece wow. and Israel and England, Sweden, Sweden. It's kind of odd how this thing has sort of attached itself to people all over the world. I've, yeah, I've got a big, big fan, like even the, um, you know, I think a lot of the Japanese and Asians yeah. also have sort of a, a real interest in American private schools. Yeah, yeah. Well, private so, school, private school in general in Japan is quite. Yeah, a, so yeah, they sort of. They attached. They attached to yeah. it as well. We've had signings where, for instance, in uh, train stations and Union Station in DC, yeah. where it's not just people that go into comic book stores that see us and start and get interested, because you know you're seeing a real cross section in a in a train station. Phantom Comics had a signing for us there, and it's like just in the middle of the train station where oh, that's yeah, cool. you have people commuters and people going you know long distances and taking trains, and they see it and they stop by. Like I've never been in a comic book store before, but this looks cool. Right. So we've really reached beyond. Let me pose to you this question. I know in the current movie and just the current trends in pop culture and stuff, uh, comic book and comic book stories are you know, a lot more accepted, as we've seen with the success of a lot of the recent movies, like Iron Man, Spider-Man, and, and stuff like that. Do you feel that that helped, in a way, the popularity of your comic a lot more so than maybe if we this was 10 years ago, would it be, you think it would be a little bit harder to reach the amount of people that you reached? Yes, absolutely. And I don't want to name names or, or drop names because there's not really any point to it right now, okay. but... But we we had a lot of production companies reach out to us when that previews article hit before the mm-hmm. comic even came out. Yeah, wow. so they, obviously the studios and yeah, the production companies so they, already they, have. Yeah, they comb the they they get their issue of previews and they're looking for what reaches out and grabs them. 
and ours reached out and grabbed a lot of those people. I know in one of our recent shows, we talked about how there seems to be kind of a resurgence in horror. And, you know, we're, we're an anime-themed podcast, so a lot of things that we deal with uh, are mainly in, like, uh, the mecha genre and stuff like that. But we also delve into a lot more sci-fi and, and, and related genres. But especially being people in the movie industry, do you see that there's kind of a resurgence to kind of the good old slasher films of the 70s? 70s and 80s and you see this as being a trend that's going to keep going or is this going to be kind of one of those passing fads that sometimes we have when it comes to certain things from what you see the movie business is like the music business in some degree and that you know you have to be careful because they latch on to what's popular and then they beat the they beat everyone over that their audiences over right, the head right. with just that because they see that that's selling because the audience is buying and then they don't realize, they're not gauging themselves very well to know when they need to ease up. Do you know what I mean? Not yeah, no, I understand. Because, and not only that, just because it's a certain genre that might be a popular genre at the time, doesn't mean you can just throw crap out there. Right. <laughs> then, mean, you're gonna, then you're going to ruin, then that genre is going to take it. And right. How many films came out that were like Hostile or Saw? Right. You know, right. so many movies like that where it was just people being brutalized just people for the sake of brutality. Yeah, just for the sake of the brutality. It was, which it's funny because that's very similar to the way it was in the 70s, where there was just this huge slew of just horrible, freaking brutal movies, you know, like Last House on the Left and I Spit on Your Grave and, and all these films that were just like pumped out. They were right. pumped out and all you wanted to see were people's arms getting torn off. Yeah, maybe just someone getting. People know. being brutal, you know, brutalized by other people. And but, but like, you don't even know. I think what, what separates ours is that the name Bad Kids Go to Hell, all of a sudden someone might think, oh, it's just going to be a bunch of heads being torn off and legs being ripped yeah, apart no, and stuff yeah. like that. People, when it's really to the contrary, it's, a, uh, it's very character driven. I mean, yeah. you're going yeah. to know these characters and. Um, I'd like to say it's it's a smart, it's a smart, it's a smarter, <laughs> well, I understand completely, and a lot of our fans of uh, Gundam here would understand that too, because with anime, the um, anime became very popular in the early 2000s in the United States, but then as you saw certain, the production companies brought in just, you know, anything that was just Japanese, and to a point, it, it you know, it degraded the market, so I, I completely understand you know from firsthand of what we we cover and the reason why i ask that is because i feel the same way i've never been a huge horror film fan like all into it but i've watched a lot of the classics and i enjoy them and i i go enjoy the newer stuff that comes out but um, i'm just i'm kind of in the same way because i've I've always been a big music person too and and i know how the machine sometimes can latch on to an idea and just kind of just ground it into the ground so I don't know if we covered this, but you guys are basically independent, you know, free, uh, I guess, independent artists uh, when it comes to that. The the book comes out on what? Antarctica Press? Uh, Antarctic Press, yeah. Antarctic is, Press. Is our, is our publisher. And I know some of our fans may know it as a, as a manga. Yes. Um, They're very heavily entrenched in the manga animation, anime. How did that happen? Uh, just one of these kind of things or... Well, honestly, it was uh, like three years ago, I uh, was at Comic-Con, and it, this was like the summer, I believe it was the summer when I collaborated on the thing that ended up becoming True Believer for Sci-Fi Channel, Okay. and I met, when I was there, I met Lee Duhigg, who is one of the head honchos over there at Antarctic, 
and we got to talking back and forth, and then uh, we kind of kept in contact. And then it was the following years when Baz and I came up with Bad Kids, and I pitched the idea at him as a comic, and he he liked the idea, and he bid on. He was like, "That's great." He goes, "Let's do it." Oh, okay, I guess they're very happy that it's doing very well. Is is there is there any planned sequels or any any other things that you're have maybe can discuss with us you might be doing as a follow-up to uh, bad kids maybe not necessarily a follow-up to that but there is definitely another comic that we're gonna do i would venture to say that it'll be much more high profile right out of the gate than bad kids wow i can't say why no, um, yet because of other, there's other people involved but no, there's someone that's that's, that's going to be involved with the comic that their likeness is they're kind of it's a actor that's attaching themselves to the comic. So it's wow. a celebrity. We have a celebrity right. likeness. Right, right. So that that's that's kind of why it'll be a higher profile. But it's it's going to be a two issue book, and it'll be forty eight pages per issue. How would I describe it? It'll be more along the lines of like a monster, more of a monster movie. Oh, okay. Like a good old fashioned monster movie. Cool. Yeah, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Well, no, no, no. You're right. There's, there's, there's definitely aspects of it that are that that will be like an old-fashioned monster movie. A few story twists that'll make it uh, a little bit more interesting. But yeah, so I, that's my favorite type of actually my favorite type of horror movie mm-hmm. has always been monster. The I don't like it. I don't like to see people so much killing each other. I'm all, un- un- for a, right, I'm all for a monster. Some unexplained yeah. monster. Yeah. Is is this going to be like a, a like a normal size monster or like something like a Godzilla or something like no, that? No, this is a, this is a normal size oh, okay. sort of monster. That's a, that brings me to another good question here. And I know we talked a little bit about like the state of the industry, where you know how Hollywood's kind of going into more of the direction, looking into a lot of these things. Is it also because you just said this upcoming project is going to be attached to a certain celebrity? Um, we know, you know, just by hearing a lot of different things, there's a lot, a lot of the the newer shows, a lot of movies, and a lot of projects of you know that either from anime or comic books or whatever. They seem to get a lot more notice if there's a celebrity, i.e., an actor, some type of actor or actress attached to them. I I, I know that that is uh, kind of a, a trend that seems to help out a lot of things. What are the pros and cons of that? Do you see? I mean, and I don't want to get you in a situation where it compromises anything, but I'll totally. Uh, yeah, no, I know. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Because I guess the biggest thing I would think is if, let's say, you had a Brad Pitt attached to someone, I'm just using him as an example, you know, the expectations and stuff and, you know, how much creative control do you have between, you know, they're, they're kind of letting in the open, the door opening, but, you know, you're the creator uh, of it. I mean, well, that's uh, not someone that, I mean, it's, I, I, it's, yeah. it's not right, right, right. But, but I totally get, I, that, that's a really good question. Complete, totally. Because it can backfire on you really easily could backfire on you it, it's one of these things where it's like first of all you have to find i don't i don't want to pull a fast one on the right. on our audience so it's not so contrived to the fact that like it's just an actor who's like oh i got to do a comic book it's not that at all it's strangely enough this is an actor who's very much he is has been an avid comic book reader he's a closet nerd uh comic book fan yeah the nerd chic type of thing that's yeah, yeah he 
he's gone to a Comic Con for many years. It's kind of like if you know, if you if you kind of follow your anyone that's really following comics, if you sort of know who which celebrities have been into comics for a while, like Thomas Jane. Mm-hmm. You no, know, he wrote a comic called Bad Planet a few years ago. It was like three yeah. D, you know, three D. Um, he's good friends with Ed Brubaker. All those guys in the comic book world. He should, you know, he was at this last Comic Con running around like a fan, like a fan, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's someone that's that's along those lines because you're right. You don't want to pick someone that's so that just is just hitching their wagon to the comic book. And also, you don't want to find someone for your own sake. Let's say Matthew and I want to write a comic book, and now we start trying to recruit celebrities to make yeah. our comic popular right no this didn't happen that way yeah. at all no, no oh no and i i'm just my main and question right. it's just one of these things where it's like you get all this interest and it's probably great from like having nobody talking about you or, or knowing anything about you and all of a sudden you know is i was just wondering if there if there's just kind of a a thing that you have to do where you you be very careful and you know orders like you just said, maybe talk to them about, you know, one of the first things is talk to them about the media that they're talking about. Sure. And also what you said is that, we, you know, we want to maintain some sort of level of creative control. Not that we don't trust this person with their ideas and everything, but we did it pretty good the first time. They, you know, will trust us enough to do it again. Yeah, that, I, that's what I kind of thought. I, you yeah, know, and, I know you don't. I know what you're saying. You, you don't want to get pushed around. All of a sudden, you're in a position where you're totally getting pushed around. You're like, <laughs> why did I sign up for this job? <laughs> well, and, and I mean, as being independent guys and and doing it for so long, you can tell talking to people that with what you guys are stating, how you want to keep your independence and keep your integrity, that this is something that's very important to you. Like you said, it's just not something you're out there to shop to people. And because it is, you know, it it is a little crazy, but another quick little question here, we've been kind of discussing back and forth about the current state of like, um, you know, movies and stuff, you know, using comic books and all that and kind of the current state of the industry. What are in in a short way, kind of summarize maybe some of your thoughts about it. Do you see the way the industry is going right now going to continue on its current path i do and i'll tell you why i do because just by the nature of being out in la you kind of you have your ear a little closer to some of the gossip and mm-hmm. what people you know i just i've got just a lot of friends that work at different studios and i'll tell you you know the economy is definitely beating down those studios a little bit more than what you may know right and i know that the way a studio operates, it's all kind of based on fear. So the way that they operate is, well, I need to find a sort of pre-sold idea or a, a, something that's already out there. Right. You know, it, think it, about yeah, think about the tens of thousands of dollars that we put into our comic book and create a loyal fan base. You already have that right. fan base. People are already reading it. You got tens of thousands of readers already. Let me put it to you this way: the days of well, the spec script. Yeah. Those the in the nineteen eighties and early nineties, the spec script, those days are almost done completely. Oh. Like they've already narrowed down. Like the do, the spec script is going the way of the dodo very quickly. Wow. But it's almost you can almost kiss that goodbye. And I, I have that conversation with a lot of my uh, writing friends and they don't like to hear me say that. But, you know, studios want pre sold ideas, they're gonna pick more and more novels, you know, uh, best selling books, uh, comic books. Things that are already out there, ideas that they know work. Very few spec scripts. You know, the Joe Astor houses, 
those guys are are gone. Right. <laughs> I and I hate to say that because I've, I've read some of the best spec scripts, some scripts that, of movies that won't get made for one reason or another that were are, are absolutely better than any you know a lot of movies that you see that are out. But for one reason or another, those spec scripts aren't getting picked up. You're reading a script, whereas when you're reading a comic book, you're actually getting the storyboard, the visual is already there for the view, for the reader. makes it a little bit easier to read. Yeah. If yeah. you're and nobody trying to visualize. And nobody, and nobody reads. Nobody reads. <laughs> nobody reads. Nobody, nobody in studios reads anything. Yeah, so then you see and oh, I see it. You're almost getting like a shot by shot of what the movie's going to, could be if they wanted it to be. It's interesting the way that, you yeah. know, that, and, and, and you might not get it from a novel that's out there, but still, novels, those are bestsellers. You, you're selling... Whereas comic books are reaching tens of thousands of people, those New York Times bestsellers are reaching, you know, millions of people. Yeah. That's another reason. And, and, and it's the tens of thousands of dollars, like I was saying, that maybe we're putting into this, which probably equals the tens of millions of dollars that they're trying to put out on, you know, in marketing for a, a product that right. no one even knows about. So they got to put it out there, whereas we're already out there. Right. So, so what and, I'm, I guess what we're saying is that, yes, I see the trend continuing for that very reason. I kind of agree with you on the same aspect. And, and it was very interesting that you bring up the whole thing about the fan bases because we've seen with a lot of remakes, you know, comic book wise, even some old movies, uh, old franchise that be redone like Batman and, um, you know, Star Trek and stuff where you have the loyal fans where there's always controversies. And even though, you know, sometimes those the the controversies or some of the nitpicking that these loyal fans have is kind of stupid and it's kind of superficial. I, I imagine the movie studios they like it because it keeps the name out there and it's kind of free advertising. Because you know, you've seen so much with um, some of the movies like Transformers and all that. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago the line art came out of what the the robots were going to look like, and I mean, it caused an uproar. And I'm you know, and it's like people were going crazy, but it was probably the best thing because guess what? All those people that were complaining went to it. And, uh, exactly, of I course. Was gonna, that was the other thing I was going to say. Even if someone hated the comic book, but they read it, they're still yeah. going go to still gonna see go and see it. And yeah. Loved it. And then they see the beginning, you know, all the stuff that, like you said, oh, the line, ah, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> they're still going to go see it. <laughs> they're anyway. still going to see it. I take great pride in the fact that I have never seen and I never will see the third new Star Wars film. I will never <laughs> see that film. I will never see that film. And well, I will never ever see the third Matrix film. Films, I've seen I both. Feel, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I got crapped on once. <laughs> Shame on me once. Shame on Shame me twice. On me once. Right. So it's funny though, most people I have really good friends, guys that write big feature scripts and they get suckered into going, <laughs> they'll complain about a certain franchise and they'll still go see the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're was, infinitely better writers than these other, <laughs> some of these other people. I was complaining about the third Star Wars movie and I went there and I was, you know what? It had me till the middle part, till he switched over to become Vader. I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. This isn't as bad as the other ones. And then he did the switch and I was like, oh, my God. I, I almost wanted to turn my ticket in, but... 
I guess I would kind of bring to my last point when it comes to the popularity of bad kids and everything where now that we live in such um, a connected environment when it comes to the internet and Facebook and Twitter and, you know, movie blogs and stuff like that, I'm sure that was a big part of a lot of the popularity and how the uh, momentum grew for sales for uh, bad kids. And, you know, and, and we see that that helps a lot of, um, you know, like we just said with remakes and all that, a lot of that chatter back and forth. It's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. I mean, it, it, I'm sure there's been some stuff you saw about, you know, just like any criticism. Sure. Um, it's probably tough, but sometimes when it comes to people being anonymous online, they can be either, you know, more ruthless. Uh, you know, does that does that really affect you? I'm sure any type of criticism does. But. Yeah, but it does. But I'll tell you, as far as Twitter, using um, any everything on the Internet, it's it's great if you're independent though the the the, con, the, the pros outweigh, outweigh the, cons the cons because the bigger the studio the less they're going to know or the less right. they're going to follow up on new technology because it's just this big lumbering beast mm-hmm. that takes forever now if you're the, if you're one of these if you're an independent guy like like us you use this stuff and you because you it's just you <laughs> and it's it's you know you get it done and you you get your name out and you're you're much more efficient yeah and these tools help you be more efficient i, I know and you I take know. advantage of them so yeah we, i mean we, we use it for the for gundam here and it's just we kind of have a little bit of a story like yours where it came a point that we didn't realize how how this was kind of reaching people i mean we were getting we were getting letters and emails and stuff from people from different walks of life and we were like wow you know so it 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 is kind of a very interesting thing and you know i i guess you know for guys like yourselves it it's it's the best it's the best thing that ever really happened was that these tools came out absolutely absolutely i'll take i'll take you know some bad criticisms from people that's fine you know uh again it doesn't yeah, yeah, it helps you. What's cool about it too is that you get automatic uh, feedback if you have someone who gives you a bad review, review. or bad something, <laughs> then you've got all your fans Man, that are that are defending you. Back. <laughs> exactly. That's always the best. Right. Yes. It's that's, like it's like it's what's swift the, justice right, right there, my it's friend. It's like you don't f- with my comic book. Because <laughs> you know? it's once again you got your loyal. It's a loyal fan base, and that's what's great about it. It's like NASCAR and comic book readers. You know, the comic book. <laughs> I mean, but they, they both like beer. No, well, you, you know, if someone's got a Lowe's instead of a Home Depot on his car, <laughs> you know, there's and you, you're the Lowe's, you're the driver of the Lowe's fan. You're gonna go to Lowe's. You're never gonna go to Home Depot, That's but right. you're gonna always go to Lowe's. Well, it's the you same. know what? That's true. That's very true. <laughs> and the comic book fans, it's like the only place advertising works in NASCAR because the yeah. fans are so loyal. Right. Well, I think it's the same thing. A comic book guy is gonna like his comic book. Um, usually based on the the writers or sometimes mm-hmm. the artists, but generally no, the sometimes story. Sometimes the artists. Sometimes <laughs> artists. Tony. Those artists. Yeah. But no, the story. You know, and they'll be like, oh man, you know, ever since you know, so so and so's not writing anymore, it sucks, or you know, the yeah. story's horrible. Just yeah. whatever. I mean, I, I'll totally like. That's the whole reason why. I, I mean, me personally, I'm at a point where it's like, I, you're like you, like you said at the beginning of the show. I don't have time to read everything, so I got to be picky with the comics that I get that I pick up. And you know, there's I'm going to pick up what Brian Michael Bendez writes. I'm going to pick up what Straczynski writes. You know, maybe Garth Ennis, a couple other people, but I can't dick around unless it's a new comic and it's really people are really talking about it. 
I don't have time to dick around with it. I always go through phases with my comic book reading. You know, you, you get in there and I have some core books that I always read. And when it seems like all the time, the publishers, they, you know, once things start getting good, you know, things are good in the comic book industry when they start doing tons of spinoffs. And then if you get trapped in that. You just get stuck with a lot of stuff that you don't really, you know, is not as good as the original product. Just a couple more questions and I'll let you guys go. And uh, we've been a lot longer than I thought we had originally done. But um, I know that you said that uh, there's a possibility. Well, you're actually fielding some offers right now for some movie rights for um, uh, bad kids. Is, do we know anything at this point or anything that you can divulge about that? We kind of want to keep that under wraps for the sure. moment. Yeah, well, we'll definitely. I mean, we have the movies in development. Not, I mean, we don't have to even. That's an right. obvious thing. And right. when people read the comic book, obviously they say, "Wow, this would be a great movie." <laughs> Is this a movie? And they're like, "Well, actually, yes." That's what I thought too. Yeah, the movies in development. That's nothing we're hiding. But as far as the studio offers versus us doing it on our own, we're kind of keeping that close to our. I understand. No problem. At the same time, we'd like everyone to be ready for the release next <laughs> Halloween, not this year, but Halloween 2010. Awesome. Movie <laughs> theaters all across the world. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that listen to our, our podcasts um, that are you know, aspiring writers, and a lot of them are artists and stuff. Is there any type of art uh, advice maybe you could give these guys? I know everything is just like... You know, it's based on an individual basis, but outside of just like being dedicated, is there, you know, anything that you can maybe share with some of these guys or to get their foot in the door? Yes, I can say something. Don't follow trends. Think of if you come up with an original idea, your script, it may not get made, but it'll get you noticed if it's well, if it's a well executed original idea. You know, don't try to write titanic and don't try to write oh please don't write titanic come up with something really original and if you write it well it'll get you noticed and it'll get you your next writing gig baza anything on your end that you would suggest i mean i think it's i think that's that's what matthew said there is great advice because i think a lot of times what people try to do is try to find out what's popular and then Mm -hmm. just try to write it but if you don't write from your heart or I think more importantly, or your heart, really what you know. Yeah. You know, write from what you know. And if it means you have to research <laughs> to know what it is you want to write about, if it's something you're interested in, well, then research and know know what you're writing. And yeah. Don't try to, because that's, I think, along the same lines of what Matthew's saying is, if you're trying to write from a different perspective than yourself, mm-hmm. well, you better learn it or write from what you know. Otherwise, it's going to come through it's going to show people yeah. <laughs> you're not going to fool anyone right it's not going to you're not going to feel it and so if that perspective that you're writing from is not doesn't seem like it's the popular way to do things what matthew says is exactly right at least you know it might not be made it might not you might not be able to sell the idea to someone but at least people will know that oh this guy knows what he's doing or this girl right. knows what she's doing that first feature script that i wrote it was about what i knew and it was something that nobody had written about because no one was real had written about it yet. And that's what got me in the at least in the starting gate. Okay. So I guess in, in just in essence and the best way is just really write about stuff that you know and try to inject a lot of, you know, personal experiences and stuff like that in your writing. Authenticity will show will come through. Great. And I guess the other thing is it's keep to it. The, the, that's the cliche, the trite thing, you know, I could say. Yeah. And that I think is that's the given that I think Matthew and I would obviously say is don't give up. Just keep on. Keep, if you enjoy it and, it, mm-hmm. and you're 
passionate about it, then do it. That's sort of the cliche, trite thing to say, but make sure that you know what the hell you're doing. Because chances are there's there's probably other people out there that may identify with the same thing. And and you know what what's very helpful, I think, is a lot of times people just, they might be afraid to share it with someone. Mm-hmm. Because if you share what you're doing with someone else, then what's going to happen is you're going to be put in a situation where you actually have to finish and follow through. But you know what? That's exactly where you want to be. You don't want to keep something hidden and like, okay, I got something I'm doing that no one even knows. I might be working as, you know, a CPA or whatever, you know, doctor, lawyer, but on the side I'm doing this. But I'm not going to tell anyone because you're only going to hurt yourself. That added pressure of putting it out there and telling people, oh, yeah, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. Well, if you don't do it, you're going to look like the biggest fool. And there's <laughs> nothing worse than, not, than, than just sitting there telling people what you're going to do all the time and then never following through with it. Right. So it puts that added pressure, but you put that pressure on yourself. So when you do something, make sure you, you broadcast it to as many people as you know and as you can because then you're stuck <laughs> having to do it and actually follow through and succeed. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll look like a complete... Right. Yeah, That's so that, uh... I think, it's more than just sticking to it. It's making yourself have to stick to it for your own, like, <laughs> shame. Stick to it of this for your own shame, right. Your own embarrassment. Oh, I mean, that that's great advice. And, I mean, I, I think that's even advice that you could use for whatever you do, if, even if you're not trying to get in the entertainment industry or anything like that. Yeah, you want to lose weight or something. You tell someone yeah. that, hey, everyone out there, I'm going to lose weight and I'm on a diet and I can't eat this and that. And then you go out there and start you know, eating Shoveling a, down, yeah. bacon double cheeseburgers and milkshakes, <laughs> jack-in-the-box or McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> well, anything else that you guys, uh, any other projects that you're working on that you want to um, you know, just make known or anything or... Look out for True Believer on Sci-Fi Channel whenever that comes out. When is that slated to come out? Do you know, or is it just? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where you sell something to the to the network, and, and now it's in their hands. Basically. They, they're they're moving forward on it slowly. I'm sure, um, but they're moving forward. So we'll see. And then uh, I guess my independent film, Shoots and Ladders, S H O T S and Ladders. And. So, play on the game. I know that Bad Kids Go to Hell has uh, its own website, which is badkidsgotohell.com, and you, you have links to emails to both email, of you. Email us there. You can actually shop at Bad Kids Go to Hell and get all the coolest, baddest, <laughs> light Bad Kids Go to Hell licensed merchandise and t-shirts and yeah, we've got laminate. It is pretty cool stuff, too, and I, I've, I've gone through this website, and you know I've had to hold back on spending some money myself. <laughs> the laminates are very freaking cool those yeah, are cool awesome and we'll those be coming cool. out with some other stuff too and we're setting up our twitter and we're doing all that stuff like we've mentioned before so we're got facebook groups going but if you go to badkidsgotohell.com from there there are all the links to all the news and events and okay. press interviews and reviews and and the merchandise the facebook groups and yeah. you name it and once the trade comes out, we'll let everybody know once we have a, a definitive date on the trade. With the news, will be all where you guys are going to be at, appearances and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, last month, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, September, these things happen sometimes, but we get a call from a friend of ours in New York, happens to be at a magazine stop, and he's like, hey, check out Geek Monthly. So, turns uh-huh. out we were one of the recommended comics, comics and Geek Monthly for so September. One, so, one with Anna wow. Ferris. 
Yes. I guess now that we made Geek, the only thing we can do next to beat <laughs> that is maybe make GQ. So check out GQ next month. <laughs> hey, got to pay the bills some way, right? That's right. <laughs> I, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. And, you know, it was, it was a great time speaking with you guys and, and hearing a little insight about the entertainment industry and, and a lot of what you've done and definitely about bad kids go to hell and i want to encourage all the guys listening to gum damn you know if you're interested in comic books or anything just really check these guys out it's it's um really good stories really great artwork on there too and i, I know that a lot of the the first two i think the first two issues i saw are per- completely sold out is the third one out now too third one's completely sold out from what we understand that we were scheduling a signing tomorrow for issue four we'll be in houston at bedrock city comics and they said that there was no way they could get any ones twos and threes <laughs> so and they called diamond so they said they were they have nothing and everywhere we've been that's the way it is so i mean when it comes to the comic books the actual issues i think all that's left besides four which comes out tomorrow I mean, we don't know how that's going to do i mean I would assume everyone that bought one, two, and three wants to know how this thing goes. Oh, no. <laughs> but um, I would assume it's, I would assume it's going to be sold out pretty quickly. But we do buy our own stock because when you're independent, you know, it's not like our publisher sends us out to places. You know, Antarctic Press is new. We actually own the the, the rights to our creation, so right. we also buy our own comic books and bring whatever we have to to, to signings and also have them available online for as long as they're available. But once they're sold out, it's done. And we're just about done with our stock. (laughs) I know. We're We're down to our last few with our stock as well. We were worried that we wouldn't even be able to make the the New Orleans signing with any books. (laughs) So um, when when you said that uh, the trade paperback's coming out, is that... It's either going to be October, uh, middle of October, or I've heard middle of November. Okay, so anyone that missed out, they're not going to have to wait that long. Right, and the trade trade will be out at Barnes & Noble and Borders as well. Yeah, Amazon and Target, I think. Oh, okay. Right. I mean, it's so, all over the place. Just not Walmart. They won't carry just not, I don't think Walmart. Because I That's, think hell, they don't like the word. Yeah. yeah, you'd probably have to call it hack or something. And <laughs> make, the bl- make the blood disappear, I would imagine. And Well, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. You've been great, great guests. And if you're able to talk to us in the future, maybe some other things that, you know, I'd offer you the invitation and uh, keep me posted of what's going on. This is uh, Neil, and uh, we'll be back in a little bit. Just got to keep on trucking. Yes, sir. I'm going to go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first-place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day. Gum damn it. Well, all right, you're messy. Would you make me a medal, too? Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or a bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Damn! Good cake, Lee. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. Stay awake, the ways of the world. But as the world turns, 
This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN5 for 10% off your order or GUN6 for $5 off any order that's over $30. Or if you ever wanted to buy a domain name, you can get one for the low price of $749 if you use the code GUN7. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Damn it anywhere, doesn't it hurt? Next on Gundam. Hey, there's nothing wrong with old anime. Yeah, we for sure. encourage old anime here. Yeah, well, we are advocates of classic anime, especially considering how anime presently is. Oh man, oh, it's a sad state of affairs. Well, you don't like uh, you don't like your moi blobs and. Oh uh, man. <laughs> I you know I thought the I thought the summer animes were bad and they're they're just ending right, but some of the fall ones have just started and oh man. Right right now as we're speaking ill about moe, Chris Pedro South's ears are burning. It's like somebody's talking about me. And Pedal Bear North is already preparing his retort on the boards. You don't yeah. know these guys, Jeff, but listen to some of our past episodes. You'll, you'll see. It's pretty funny. These are, like the, these are the Moe enforcers. What other podcast do you know that has its own pair of Pedal Bears? Yeah. We have one north of the border and one south of the border. Canadian-U.S. border, not, not Mexico. But I'm sure we probably, <laughs> if, we, if we start doing Gundam in, in, in Spanish, I'm sure we'd pick up a, a Pedal Bear or two from down there. You know, Juan for Juarez. <laughs> Every <laughs> uh, I love King of Fighters, Street Fighter, and Blaze Blue, and Moe Chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Strike Witches. <laughs> Strike <See>. Witches. <laughs> oh my God. One day they'll meet, and it'll be like the fist in the, of the North Las and the South. Las Brujas los aviones. <laughs> well, could we actually have Pedal Bear North and Pedal Bear South meet, or would that cause like a, a counterbalance to the Earth's gravitational force, and like the pull, and maybe like... <laughs> The pole switch and stuff. Time it, it, would be, it would be like what Doc Brown described. If, if uh, one point twenty-two gigawatts meet her future, her future self. Oh my! Really? Gundam. Next episode, you will see the tears of time. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. Ladies and gentlemen, the Tropicana Hotel and Casino proudly presents the old green eyes himself, the incomparable, the incredible Hulk! Oh, I got you under Hulk's skin. Oh, got you deep in the heart of Hulk. So deep in Hulk. Just thought of you 
make Hulk stop before Hulk begin. Oh, I got you under Hulk skin. Smash something. Under Hulk skin. Smash something. No, not not smashing tonight. Just singing. Smash something. Hulk said no smash.